Hello and welcome to Bees Overloaded. Oh my god. What a... I mean, how do I talk about the Manchester United match? That was the best I've ever seen Brentford play. And yes, I am a newer fan. Full disclosure. But how how can you not be excited watching that team play against Manchester United? The quote-unquote mighty Manchester United. You know, the team that the club whose fans still treat Brentford like the evil sister, the red-headed stepchild. Why? Because Brentford isn't this huge club, despite being in West London. They don't have the prestige of Manchester United or this aura of Manchester United. But let's be honest here. What club would you rather be at right now? If you're a player, would you rather be at Manchester United or would you rather be at Brentford? Because let's compare it on paper. One club is smartly run, has an owner who's clearly passionate, has stuck with the club through thick and thin, has done everything to make sure that this club is organized well, that has a good system, that has a good setup. And an owner who has outsmarted the system. That has appointed a sporting director, a director of football, a statistician, has created new positions, has tried to be on the cutting edge of everything football-related. Then you have a club who has owners over there. And even as an American, I don't want to discredit the Glazers just because they're American. But, let's be honest. When you look at the lack of passion, the way they take dividends out, the way they don't spend in the transfer window, the way that they just treat everything like, oh, we have to operate on a budget. We are more of a operating, a marketing club than an actual team. Then, yeah, we've got a issue here. You've got a coach who is vastly overrated and does not know how to play compared to a coach who is modern and innovative. And, yeah, he's a little crazy, but he's a hell of a tactician. I mean, okay, you've got your Klops, you've got your Peps, um... I honestly would put Thomas Frank right right underneath him. I don't see how you can't. Thomas Frank is probably a top five manager in the PL. Find another one. Okay, maybe an Eddie Howe, maybe a um, Graham Potter. But after those two, who else are you taking? Jesse Marsh? Artena? 
Oh, okay. Actually, Tuchel. All right, Tuchel. I'll put it up there, too. Tuchel will be third. I forgot. Honestly, I forgot about Tuchel. And Conte. Okay. All right. So, after the big four, after Conte, Tuchel, Pep, and Klopp, who else are you putting up there? You got to put Thomas Frank up there. He's in that mix. Vieira? No, Vieira flopped in France. So, then on the other side, you've got Eric Ten Hag, who is a good manager, but he's playing the system that the players don't want to play. So, who's the bigger club now? Who is the better club? If you are a player, who would you rather go to? Go to Manchester? Live in Manchester? And play for a club that is just about prestige and, oh, we we used to be great. We're not great anymore, but we used to be great. We'll be great again, we promise. Or do you want to have the opportunity to play for a manager and a team that's on the rise? That has shown the ability to go out and take a Rico Henry and transform him into a should-be international. So, what club is bigger? It's Brentford. Let's be honest about that. Sorry, I have a few students, so you might hear them in the background. But let's be honest, Brentford is a bigger club right now. It's a better-run club. And there's no disputing that, especially after what happened on Saturday. Whatever, what happened on Saturday was utter perfection. And that's what I'm calling this episode, this utter perfection. Because there is no way you can look at the traje- trajectory of United and Brentford and say United is better than Brentford. I saw some fans on United forums <clears throat> that came out and said, Ooh, um... We would have been better. Uh, Brentford got lucky. We dominated possession. We had more shots than them. You played right into Brentford's hands. And I talked about it on the preview. What United did was do exactly what everyone thought they were going to do. And Thomas Frank was out here calling it in the interview before the match. He said, I see Erickson either playing as an 8 or a 6. And we'll be ready for it. And Thomas Frank was right. I see United fans saying, oh, Brentford played under 8's football. Under 8's football? Under 8's football just trashed you at the G-Tech. It's a level of arrogance, an undeserved arrogance by... These Manchester United fans, because, again, when you are honest with one another and you really critically analyze where this club is, these two clubs are. Who would you rather be a part of, Brentford or Manchester? We saw, again, a team, a team come out and dominate another team. I mean, it was a tactical, physical masterclass. 
And I don't know how you give anyone lower than a nine on team ratings because everyone that came on and played was outstanding. Everyone did their role. And there were a couple of questionable decisions that Thomas Frank made. Uh, Brentford fans know this as Thomas Frank being Thomas Frank, the mad scientist. But let's look at this as a fact here. Thomas Frank was outstanding. And his decisions worked. Ten Hogs didn't. And that goes to show you, I mean, he, I have never seen the manager get pulled, his pants pulled down like that by Thomas Frank in a long time. I mean, even Tuchel, who I mentioned, got his pants pulled down by Thomas Frank. But not to that extent. Not to, should have been a six, seven goal, seven to nothing lead. And all those Manchester United fans who came out and said, Thomas Frank is crazy. What does he mean that, oh, Manchester United got, got lucky last year? I saw all of this. Everyone saying, oh, Thomas Frank is just a sore loser. Well, guess who was right after all? And it was utter perfection to watch. So let's talk about some of these moves by Thomas Frank. Because I was, you know, I, Thomas, we all know this as Brentford fans, has some crazy, crazy, crazy mad scientist-like tendencies. So the big one that leapt out to everyone at first was the fact that Matthias Janssen was starting. And, you know, I mean, after that Leicester match where... He and Norgard were lackluster until Baptiste and De Silva came on in the midfield. So everyone had expected Jensen to be dropped and for De Silva to start. And De Silva did start. But how he lined up was a 3-5-2. Uh, I discussed this earlier. I thought that he should have gone with a 3-4-3. Initially, McKean Lewis Potter playing. Uh, he didn't go with that. Which, again, I was like, oh, well, this is an interesting way to play. But when you look at his earlier co- comments about um, yeah, uh, Erickson playing as a six, probably. I mean, he just nailed it. Um, we needed someone to press. I thought it was going to be Janot who's going to press. Um, again, I said in my preview podcast that I thought Janot should have been at left uh, left center back um, or right center back. Excuse me, left center back or right center back, either one. <clears throat> but Thomas didn't do that. Janot was on the bench, and he put yet. Jensen in there. So that was very shocking. But he also started De Silva with Rico and um, 
Hickey out, out wide as wing back slash uh, midfielders. So that, <clears throat> that was uh, an interesting decision by Thomas. And I think the reason for that was, again, he knew Erickson was going to be the six. So he needed someone who was speedy and who could press him and make him feel uncomfortable. And Jensen was that. We, we watched it through the whole match. And the second was Orsliff playing. Where did that come from? <laughs> In my preview, I didn't even mention Mats. I, I didn't think Mats was going to play. And, you know, he's had an up-and-down career, some good moments, some bad moments. But he's only 22, I believe, 22, 23, so very young for a center back. Hasn't even reached his peak yet. He comes on, and he was dominant. I mean, we, we talk about Jensen being man of the match, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But Rorsliv was really, really good. That pairing with Janssen and um, Ben Mee and Rorsliv, that three at the back, United had no answer for. And I thought he was really good linking up with Aaron Hickey on that right side. They had no answers for that pairing. I mean, <clears throat> because Rorsliv was at the back, and he was marking the hell out of Marcus Rashford. Trashford. Rashford couldn't do anything. There was only like one time he got behind Hickey and Worslev, and then Raya came out and just ended his world. So there was still concern though about this lineup. What was gonna happen? Who was gonna play? Would this work? A lot of fans, and I was one of them, started questioning the decisions. I really questioned Jensen. But Jensen, how can you not say that he was outstanding? Same for Rosliff. Rosliff. I mean, Mads was tremendous. And so he let Hickey get forward more and he let Hickey be Hickey be this dominant force this pest in the middle a lot of people were worried about Hickey quote unquote being physical in the Premier League and there was a moment probably my favorite moment of the match where Hickey ended Ronaldo and that was because Jensen was pressing Ronaldo Trying to get the ball back, and he just came and ended his world. Rorsliv was outstanding, too, again. I mean, how many times could Rashford get past him and Hickey? Not a lot. Um, him at the back with Janssen controlling that middle was really, really good. And... This is why I'm a big fan of Brentford moving back to the three in the back system, especially now that uh, Iyer is he's back. Brentford just put out a tweet 
talking about Iyer being back in training. So, Rorsliff's probably going to get dropped. I, I'd like to see us go three in the back again against Fulham because I think that that's how comfortable we are. Either 3-4-3 three, three, with either Wizza or Damsgaard or Lewis Potter out left. But, again, in terms of... And this is why Thomas Frank is Thomas Frank. He had a feeling. he His approach... Maybe the stats told him, and I haven't really delved, had a real deep dive into the stats yet, but maybe the stats told him that, hey, Rorsliv and Hickey, they're a really good pairing, and that's going to work out well, especially if you want to attack that left side with Luke Shaw and um, Lissandro Martinez. So he was playing the percentages. He must have been. And again, I haven't really had the chance to really dive deep on this. But he, that was just an outstanding move. And yes, I was calling for the 3-5, uh, the 3-4-3, three, three, because I saw it against Leicester and worked. I think that for these matches against, say, Fulham, Everton, Lesser opponents, someone's argued going back to the 4-3-3. But if we're going to keep playing in Jansen and um, Iyer and or Roslev are going to keep playing like they're playing, I, don't, I think the 3-5-2 is the answer to the midfield issues. I truly believe that. I, I think Rico and... Hickey out wide, it kind of as the wingbacks. I think it's perfect. So, yeah, I, I don't know why we wouldn't go with um, Iyer as part of that. But again, it, this was the genius move by Thomas Frank, going back to his bread and butter, which is a 3-5-2. Completely caught, caught Man United off guard. They expected us to line up in a 4-3-3, I bet. Because they came out in 4-3-3. Completely caught off guard with a 3-5-2. It was like they had never seen a 3-5-2 before. And it was brilliant by Thomas Frank. When I did my Manchester United preview last week, I said that the long ball was going to be the key. That if they played Maguire and Lissandro Martinez... And I said I was worried about... Varane playing because I thought Varane would cover for Martinez's um, inabilities. That didn't happen. Eric Ten Hag, for whatever reason, started Varane and Maguire again. It was perfect for what Thomas Frank wants to do. And we, we are now seeing exactly that. That game was a perfect summation of the ideas of Thomas Frank. Because you look at it, and I said um, last week that we had a 51 lawn balls in total um, in terms of passes for uh, 15%. That went up to 212 
last week against Manchester United. Why? Well, again, you have Lissandro Martinez, very small, and you could see it. The, right off the bat, you could see that Ivan Tony was going to mess with him, that Ivan Tony was going to try to out-physical him, which he did several times. But you look at, right on, like, the first attack. I think this came in the fifth minute. Long ball straight out to Tony. Tony goes up, he gets knocked down, but luckily Hickey's there to recover the ball. So, and that leads to um, the free kick. That leads to the throw-in by Manchester United, where Ronaldo is picked apart by Jensen. And the Josh De Silva wonder goal. Thank you, David Tejan. So the long ball was a big factor. And stats-wise, when we look at it, let me pull this up. We only had, in terms of passing accuracy, 66%. Why is that? Well, because not all the long balls worked. But the important thing is that, again, most of them did. And that's why our pass accuracy is low. That's why De Silva's pass accuracy was at 68% for the match. Because he and Jensen were pinning the ball forward. This was something that Thomas Frank had worked on in the summer with De Silva, playing him more a little bit forward. So... Um, this was clearly a strategy. And so that's why his pass accuracy and the pass accuracy of the club were low. But here is the key stat. Here is the key stat again. Manchester United's build up from the back. When we look at how Thomas Frank wanted to play this. It was 6.9% long passes from Manchester United. That plays right into our hands. When you look at what Thomas Frank wants to do, the high press, the dogmatic approach for pressing and the tenaciousness of the press, especially coming from Jensen, Hickey, and Rika. A team cannot play out of the back against us, especially a team with a goalkeeper as overrated as David De Gea and center backs like McTomney and, uh, not McTomney, excuse me, um, Maguire and Ferran, who didn't play. I meant Martinez, excuse me, Maguire and Martinez. They can't play out of the back. And you have a six who's not a six in Christian Eriksen. So that's why they didn't go long. I think some of the only times I saw them go long was after that second goal. And it was De Gea. And they looked utterly baffled. They didn't know what they were doing. It was a masterclass. So percentage-wise and... In terms of strategy, this was played perfectly. It allowed Norgard to control the midfield. 
because, I mean, Fred and Erickson and Bruno could not stop Norgard and De Silva. That pairing was immense. Why? Because of the long balls. They, they were worried about coming back and tracking back because of the long balls. We bypassed their whole midfield because of those long balls. And when we did play shorter, we trapped them. Norgard was immense. I mean, he controlled. I'm, Manchester United is talking about Casemiro and here's 9-4 spending $45 million plus add-ons for Morgan Gibbs-White. How much is Joss De Silva worth? How much is Christian Norgard worth? Is a big question. I saw a meme on Twitter the other day where if Christian Norgard's name was Chris Norris, he'd be worth 60 to 70 million pounds. And there's no disputing that. How we played against Manchester United was perfect. And again, Norgard was immense. Perfect 9, 10 out of 10. I, I don't know how you can say otherwise. But going back to the long balls and their effect in the matches. That 21.2%, yes, it makes our passing stats look bad. But again, when you look at the finer details... Pass accuracy in the opponent's half. Well, we had a lot of balls in the opponent's half, which are long. Because we want, we're spraying the ball around, especially in the second half. With Baptiste and Oneka and um, coming on. Wizza coming on. That second half was just fun. So that's why the pass accuracy was so bad in the opponent's half. 60%. Obviously, Thomas Frank will want that to go up. But compare that to 83% from Manchester United. What were they doing? They couldn't break down the back five. Erickson was awful. Ronaldo was shooting knuckleballs. Rash Trashford and Sancho. Sancho is still not out of Rico's pocket. So all they had to do was just pass the ball side to side, side to side. And that's the beauty of Thomas Frank's system. It was, it was gorgeous to watch because when you look at... Hang on, let me find the stats here. Shot accuracy. Manchester United were soon shooting so far out of the box. 27%. Whereas we are at 54. Total shots, 13 to their 15. But shots on target, 7 to their 4. Raya was not tested at all until the second half. Erickson and Ronaldo got a few good shots on them. Block shots, four to their uh, 3 to their 4. So again... No shots on the bar. <clears throat> this is Thomas Frank's system <clears throat> at work. This is why Rico played. 
outstanding. Whitener and Hickey was immense. Because of the fact that this is what we wanted to do. And it was utter perfection. When you dive deeper into these stats, and again, you have Manchester United fans saying, oh, we, we dominated them. We should have won. It wasn't a fair result. <clears throat> dive deeper into the stats. You played right into Brentford's hands here. Everything we wanted to do, we did with ease. Because your manager set up in the wrong formation. And played the wrong players. And it was gorgeous to watch. So tomorrow I'll have the full um, preview up. Thanks for listening.